This is Limitless Possibility. I'm Luke Olivier Dumeblet. And I'm Yannick Magnan. And what's our topic for this week, Yannick? We're taking a break from technology, and this week we're talking about me in the kitchen. Wow. And this week we don't have any follow-ups, so let's get started. All right. Um, so this isn't quite a New Year's resolution. I think that New Year's resolutions are sort of... They tend to have like concrete goals like, oh, I'm going to do something every day or I'm going to lose this many pounds by this date. My idea for 2020 was not so much anything concrete. It was more I have a desire to improve my skill in the kitchen for 2020. And I sort of want to talk about why I'm doing this, uh, sort of some inspirations that I've had in the back of my mind for a while uh, as to why I would do this. And then talk about like what the year has been so far around that theme. How does that sound? Yeah, you did mention the word team. I was about to tell you. Also, it's not the New Year's resolution, but it's a 2020 It's a yearly team. theme, yeah. But yes. I'm not all invested into the Cortex lifestyle. <laughs> <laughs> so let's go right in and talk about sort of the motivations behind my decision to make this like the year of cooking or whatever. First off, I was growing kind of tired of my own recipe repertoire. <laughs> Uh, until very recently, I've mostly been bouncing around between like 10 or so recipes to feed myself from week to week. And I mean, sometimes that's a good thing, right? So sometimes limiting your repertoire to focus on improving your skill in certain areas can be good. Uh, for example, uh, I feel like I've really perfected the way I like to make fried rice for myself. Uh, it always tastes amazing to me when I make it now because I have been tinkering with the recipe a little bit every week when I was making some. And now it's harder to get tired of because it's so good. Um, but for the most part, the recipes that I was limiting myself to in my repertoire ended up being like very simple things with little opportunity for improvement or perfection over time. And my experience building up to this killer fried rice recipe that I've improvised out of nowhere uh, has made me want to incorporate more recipes into my own routine that have a low skill floor so that I can get in easily and then a high skill ceiling so I can refine my version of those dishes over time. The second reason I sort of wanted uh, to focus on cooking this year was wanting to balance out my diet a bit more. Uh, maybe this is going to sound super stereotypical, but uh, most of my diet consists of either rice or pasta and fish. Uh, so I accidentally <laughs> became a pescatarian. Uh, pescatarians, for people who don't know, are people who eat fish but not meat. Uh, it's not due to any ethical or environmental concerns. It's purely because none of the recipes in my repertoire had eaten them by coincidence. Um, but it actually turns out that since frozen fish is a better bargain than meat in many cases for me, it it was good for my wallet too. It's just I'm I kind of want to have meat back on the menu soon, so that's part one. And then part two is there's just not enough fruits and vegetables going on in my life. Uh, one of the little hacks I've done to sort of make up for this in a tiny way and i mean like literally very tiny way is one of my friends made me aware of the existence of these spinach pucks you can buy in the frozen section at the supermarket and i bought a bag of those and i was trying to remember that each time i start the rice cooker i would put one in there beforehand so i give the rice a bit more nutritional value maybe this is total bullshit and i'm pulling shit out of my ass but it makes me feel better that i do it than not and that's all that matters right for sure and the last point in my motivations is kind of dumb, but it's to develop confidence in my ability to make great food. And this is somewhat inspired by discussions I had with some of my women friends who talk about how hopeless their boyfriends are in the kitchen and how they don't like being burdened with having to take care of meals for the entire household. If it ever becomes relevant, 
I don't want to be that kind of boyfriend. So it would be important for me to actually like get good. Uh, cooking for yourself is a low stakes environment where screwing up is okay because nobody else is going to know. But cooking for an audience is high risk, high reward. It can be incredibly satisfying if you nail what you're making and everybody loves it. But you have to get there. And to get there, you kind of want to lower that risk. And you need to give yourself plenty of chances to screw up on your own time so you're less likely to screw up when it's important. And also, if you're kind of like me and you limit all the recipes that you make on your own to things that are basically trivial, you'll never challenge yourself enough to actually build up the skills you need to feel confident making something that isn't trivial. And I mean, usually when you have someone over or something like that, that's when you try to make something non-trivial. So it, it, it all works together. That's pretty much it for my motivations. Now let's move on to my inspirations. Back on episode 99 about self-care, I kind of talked about food during that episode, and one of the people I brought up during that time was Frankie Salenza. Frankie Salenza works at Tastemade, which is a cooking website. They have a bunch of recipes and stuff like that, and he is an award-winning TV chef with a focus on Italian-American cuisine. Uh, I found out about him via the Amazon Prime Video app, of all things, uh, because most of his recipe videos were accessible through there. And it turns out that most of the food I've eaten in the last two years has been from his recipes. Uh, not all of it, but quite a bit of it. Uh, he also has a really good YouTube series for Tastemade called Struggle Meals, which is very good if you're budget constrained. And I think he really excels at concise, narrated recipe videos because increasingly the like... I think people call it like the moving hands videos where it's basically just like an Instagram video that lasts 30 seconds of the entire recipe with no narration. Like some people like that. I don't particularly like that. Uh, so if you're looking for like concise narrated recipe videos that are also dripping with enthusiasm, Frankie's your guy and you should go watch his videos. What you're describing is kind of reminding me of, I would say it's about maybe five or six years ago when uh, Tony and I and some of our friends were more or less obsessed by uh, Jamie Oliver. Still love the guy to this day, but I guess we watch uh, less of his uh, cooking sh shows and cooking videos. And I think he has a YouTube channel too. I think most of I think so. Have yeah, a YouTube channel for that. So yeah, but like I recall a period, maybe even more like seven years, eight years ago. I recall it was like either at the university or just before or around I moved to Montreal, where like literally. We were just watching a shit ton of uh, his videos and TV shows and books and watch, reading books. And yeah. Yeah, it's funny because I used to watch a ton of food TV back when uh, my family used to have TV that we could watch. Uh, so, so I would always be on the Food Channel or whatever, watching whatever food TV I could get my hands on. Sometimes it was Jamie Oliver. Uh, sometimes it was Iron Chef, which will come up later in this episode. Uh uh sometimes it was like rachel ray and 30 minute meals mm. or whatever um so i've watched a lot of food tv but i've never really put any of that into practice sort of until this year uh which, which brings me to sort of my next inspiration which is the bon appetit youtube channel Ooh, this is a channel you've probably heard of because it has seen explosive growth in the last year or so and what's amazing about the bon appetit YouTube channel is it almost has more in common with The Office than it does with Food Network. <laughs> Instead of making tightly edited food television from a professional studio, not that they don't have a professional studio, but they don't use it much, uh, the camera crew decides to insert themselves even as characters into the everyday life of the Bon Appetit test kitchen, uh, where they test the recipes for the magazine. 
And it just so happens that like they're trying to record a video in the middle of this kitchen that is bustling with a bunch of people. And sometimes guests come in and eat food in the background for no reason. Uh, it's very busy and exciting and it's really cool. And about half the chefs in the Bon Appetit Test Kitchen have their own shows that focus on something that they're kind of unique, uniquely skilled at. So the two most popular shows on uh, the BA channel are Gourmet Makes with Clara Saffitz. Uh, it's a show that focuses on recreating iconic junk food products in a conventional kitchen setting. Uh, so you see her making a lot of candy bars and uh, Doritos and other like brand name goods that pretty much everyone has seen. And the other big show on the BA channel is It's Alive with Brad Leone, which is ostensibly a show about fermentation, except because Brad is a goofball and is a human uh, human golden retriever, uh, he occasionally gets distracted by literally anything. Ah, oh, I was like, why is this comparing to a dog? But okay, no, I see the conversion now. He is, yeah, he is a character. Um, fans of this show, like our show, would probably also appreciate Reverse Engineered, which is a show with Chris Morocco, who is kind of the John Syracuse of the Test Kitchen. <laughs> and it's a show where he tries to recreate a dish that he can only touch, smell, and taste because he's blindfolded while he's tasting it. And he has to basically recreate the entire recipe from just that. And he gets amazingly close. It is an awesome show. Um, so what's really interesting about uh, the BA YouTube channel is that, like, yes, it is a cooking chan channel and there are recipes posted every single day at noon on the BA channel, which is great. So you can watch a bunch of yummy food being made. But it's also just about the interpersonal relationships of these people who work in the test kitchen because the camera and the editing does almost zero work to actually try to cut out like interactions between these members of the test kitchen. So they become background characters to whatever the first BA show you watch is. And then you love them as background characters and you want to know them all. So then you're going to go watch like all of their recipe videos, or if they have their own show, you're going to watch their show. And then this process repeats itself for everyone in the test kitchen until you're watching the entire Bon Appetit cinematic universe. And then you're practically a Marvel fan. <laughs> It's a crazy adventure. There is a great uh, Twitter bot that I retweet a lot, which is Out of Context Bon Appetit, which has a lot of great quotes. Uh, Molly has some real perverted shit that she doesn't realize she's saying. It's great. Uh, so, yeah, Bon Appetit YouTube channel. You get lured in by the food, but you stay for the people. Um, but there have been some actual recipes that and ideas I've had for stuff to make in the kitchen that have come entirely from this YouTube channel. And I am exposed to way more food stuff than I would be otherwise just because I want to see my weird, like, slice-of-life anime with all of my favorite chefs in it. It's really great. Speaking of anime, there is also an anime on my list, which is real weird. Uh, it's today's menu for the Emiya family. Uh, this is a spin-off web manga and anime from the Fate visual novel franchise. Uh, Fate is huge. Uh, Fate Grand Order is one of the biggest mobile games in the world. And you've probably heard of Fate Stay Night, which is a huge visual novel that has been all over the internet since, like, came out, I think, in 2003 or something. Uh, it's, 
it's a huge franchise if you're into anime stuff. Uh, and the illustrator, Ta, uh, was like, okay, normally this is a magical story about masters who can summon servants of various classes. And sometimes these servants are like gender-bent versions of past historical figures. It's crazy anime shit. Exactly what you expect. <laughs> but this is not that. This is just a chill manga or anime where most, if not all, of the Holy Grail War conflict is resolved. And all the characters live boring civilian lives in boring, normal-ass, like, 2020, normal, not-anime shit world. Uh, and one of the main characters of the whole Fate franchise, Shiro, is a very good cook. Uh, this is canonical to the whole Fate franchise. Uh, but that's the focus of this anime and manga he basically is like the home that all of the characters wind out wind up going to and hanging out at and they eat a bunch of his meals and each manga chapter or anime episode is a different recipe uh there's a real clean and subtle art style that i really like it it almost feels like pastel at times and I found out about this because every time I go to Japan, I try to buy the first volume of a manga I'm curious about. And I had heard good things about this one from my friends. It was pretty great. So I ended up watching the entire anime right afterwards. And that was pretty great. So I started following the manga chapter by chapter uh, on the website because this is a web manga. So uh, chapters come out every month and a half or so. Uh, and after... A given number i think it's about like 12 chapters come out they release a book version which is what i ended up buying uh in that bookstore and then uh, a couple chapters later like that book's worth of chapters become inaccessible and then you have to buy the book to be able to read those chapters it's an interesting business model that we don't really see outside of japan and last weekend the uh the fifth volume was released so i decided to buy up the four volumes i was missing so right now on my bookshelf there are Five manga books that are secretly also cookbooks that have a bunch of recipes in them uh, for me to think about making. And it's also just wholesome chilling with the fate characters, which is also a cool side thing. It's very similar to the Bon Appetit thing, except instead of actual people, it's anime characters who would normally like stab each other and shit. I'm surprised that you found a way to bring animes into a cooking discussion, but that's great. Well, if I want to make a parallel with another one of our episodes that we had, uh, we had the episode about Bartender, where it was basically True. like this anime with no point, with no real plot. The plots were limited to within the scope of a single episode, and it was mostly everyday life stuff. And this is very similar to that, except instead of taking place within the context of a bar, it's within the context of this one guy's kitchen. Huh. Okay. No, I I see you see the parallel here. I was just like I always find I I quite find it funny that you were uh, making sure that there was an anime parallel in this show in this episode. The other thing that's interesting is uh, this is an ONA anime or original net animation, which means that uh, like most ONAs, episode lengths are shorter. Today's menu for the Emiya family, I believe, are fifteen minute episodes, which makes it easier to binge watch, and also it's just like it's. Easier to fit into your busy salary man lifestyle, let's say. So now let's talk about the recipes I've made so far this year. Well, recipes and items I've made so far, let's say. Uh, and let's start off with kombucha. Ooh, you made yourself homemade uh, uh, kombucha. Yes, I've only made one batch so far, but it has been fantastic. And I am definitely going to make more because I have had requests to make more. So there we go. So I like kombucha, but store-bought stuff gets expensive quite fast. I believe here it's like 
three to four dollars a bottle, if not more. Oh, I would say even more. Uh, not the biggest fan, but I've seen that there are they are pretty expensive drinks at the grocery store and even the panels. Yes. Uh, it turns out that actually making your own kombucha is quite cheap and quite easy. So I thought it was worth a try. Uh, one of the great things about kombucha is it is insanely customizable with whatever juices and or fruits you choose to use as flavorings. And I love that kind of experimentation. And this too will come up later. Uh, once you find the right flavorings for you, it is very easy and very cheap to surpass the quality of store-bought kombucha, which is not always the case with home-cooked versions of meals, but I'm very happy to find out that it is the case for this. So my first batch had two different flavors. There was apple, strawberry, raspberry, which was like a mixed juice thing that I had purchased. And I, I bought another mixed juice thing, which was apple peach. And the conclusion from this round of testing was that apple peach is a fucking home run uh everyone who has tasted it has said 10 out of 10 and i agree apple strawberry raspberry was actually quite a disappointment uh it's really interesting to see like which flavors fit well with like the sour nature of a kombucha and which just get more sour and apple strawberry raspberry just got too sour in a way where apple peach sort of neutralized the sourness and made it even hmm. better. I am actually supposed to start a new batch like either tomorrow or very soon. Uh, so I'm definitely going to make more apple peach because it's so good. It, it was insane. I, I kept a bottle because I wanted my mom to try it. And it was the last one I had left. And it sat in my fridge for like a week. And I had to like force myself not to drink it. <laughs> so that, that was weird. Nice. Um, I'm not sure what I'm going to do for the second flavor because I I tend to just do like two flavors per batch. Uh, so I'm probably just going to look at juices and stuff at the grocery store. But if you have any flavor suggestions, uh, listeners, feel free to tweet at us and uh, I'll look at it. I have some recommended resources, though, if you want to make your own kombucha. First of all is the website slash YouTube channel, You Brew Kombucha. It is a fairly complete guide to the fermentation process involved with uh, kombucha. And everything is video uh, is accompanied by video, so you don't necessarily have to read a long page if you don't want to. That was a very comprehensive resource uh, that I still refer to every once in a while when I forget how how many days I should be waiting for stuff to ferment and whatnot. The other one is half a joke, half real, and that is the very first episode of It's Alive with Bradley Oni on the Bon Appetit YouTube channel. I'm saying this because... It, it, it very much sets the tone for the rest of the series, which is Brad is a human golden retriever. <laughs> so you might find it hard to follow if you're actually listening for the actual instructions, but that's how all his videos are. Uh, it's it's like 75% entertainment and 25% substance. The substance is there, but sometimes you have to dig for it, and it's kind of a mess sometimes when he tries to explain some things, let's be honest, but whatever. It's super entertaining. Watch it, and if it looks like fun, then go look at the Yubru Kombucha stuff for the actual instructions that you actually want to follow. Did you have any questions on the kombucha? Uh, no. Like I told you, I'm not the biggest fan of kombucha. Okay, well then maybe you'll be more of a fan of the next thing I have. I am willing to try, though. Next time I'm in town and you see I have some ready, I'm willing to try. Oh, you're gonna make me have to hoard one of those bottles in my fridge forever. No, 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 no. I'm no, no, no. I'm just saying that. Let's say next time we meet, there's some in the fridge. Don't feel afraid to offer me some. <laughs> all right, all right. Uh, but one thing I'm pretty sure you would enjoy is the next thing on my list, which is show you ramen. Ooh, 
one of the things I miss most from Japan is ramen. And unfortunately, one of the least mentioned ingredients of ramen is time. <laughs> if you go and look up how long it takes for a real ramen shop to put together every single component that makes it into your ramen bowl, it will shock you how long it takes. Uh, a lot of ramen and noodle related recipes on the internet will have you spend hours on your broth or soup, and I don't have that kind of patience. Uh, so that's why I was actually quite happy when I eventually discovered a YouTube channel called The Way of Ramen. The Way of Ramen is a Japanese-American guy in Hawaii who is learning how to make ramen at home. And he spends a lot of time reading cookbooks and the Japanese internet to find recipes of all levels of time investment and skill. And I found him via a YouTube recommendation towards one of his recipes, which was a really good 10-minute shoyu ramen recipe uh, in Japanese on YouTube that he adapted for ingredients that are easily found in Western supermarkets, which is great. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, and uh, shoyu, for people who don't know, the shoyu and shoyu ramen is soy sauce, uh, which is one of the elements of the tare, which is one of three components that he has you make. So you make the soup, you make the tare, which is a flavor concentrate that's poured at the bottom of the bowl before you pour the soup in, and it flavors the soup, and aroma oil, which is like an oily component to the ramen. Naturally, the big time saver, like spoilers is you're using pre-made stocks, uh, dashi and chicken stock powder, instead of making uh, dashi and chicken stock yourself, uh, which is usually the problem with all of the other recipes. Is they're like, spend eight hours making broth, and you're like, I wanted to do something else today. <laughs> oh, in, th in theory, broth is just like you put all everything and you just let it cook for eight hours. I agree, but... like. I'm not sure I would be comfortable leaving that on the stove if I have to go run errands or something. Oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. You need to be around your apartment. Which is for a problem sure. when you're alone, right? So, Right, right. So if you don't want to stay at home for eight hours, this is pretty great. Uh, you have to bring your own noodles. Uh, there, I mean, there are, I believe there are recipes on his channel on how to make your own noodles. I'm not really interested in that. Luckily for me, the Asian grocery store near me sells frozen but otherwise authentic restaurant-style ramen noodles uh, that I can buy. So I just bought some, and they work great. And I tried the recipe. It was easily the best thing I've ever made in the kitchen, and that was without any kinds of toppings. It truly did take between 10 and 15 minutes to get everything ready to eat, and you could probably get away with making your tare and aroma oil ahead of time to reduce prep time if you wanted to make it quickly on a weeknight. Uh, unfortunately, shoyu ramen is not a style of ramen that I've really had a lot of when I was in Japan, so it's hard for me to gauge how authentic this tastes. It tastes about right to me, um, but at the end of the day, it was delicious, and that's all that matters to me. I don't, I'm not really as preoccupied about how authentic it is, um, but... Maybe next time I'm in Japan, I'll have a lot of shoyu ramen so I can compare better. But right now, I'm badly equipped to make the comparison. Uh, next time I'm going to make this recipe, I want to make toppings because I didn't make toppings last time I made them. Uh, that means pork belly. That means seven-minute eggs. That means spinach. Uh, so, yeah, something to look forward to next time I make this thing. Uh, it, I mean, it was great by itself, but it's probably going to be even better with the toppings. And a bit more maybe filling for as a, as a lunch or a dinner uh, if you have more toppings. That's true. But uh, one of the things is like I, I only have like standard soup bowls uh, in my cupboards. 
I need to get like ramen bowls mm. because ramen portions are generally bigger than whatever a soup bowl can handle. Uh, right. So, so like people may be underestimating how much actual there is, but I, I agree. Like at a calorie level, it's not going to be as high as any other kind of meal, probably. Although there's still a lot of calories in there. Yeah, pastas. Uh, next on my list is overnight oats. Uh, so I don't usually eat breakfast, period, uh, much less breakfast foods, but I make an exception on weekends. Uh, on weekends, I wake up late, and by late, I mean 10.30 in the morning, and I usually have some sort of breakfast food quickly after getting up as like a brunch type thing. Uh, for a long time, this was the Yoga with Adrian breakfast taco recipe, uh, which is fantastic, and I'll put it in the show notes. Uh, it's incredibly tasty, but sometimes the vegetables at my local grocery store don't look great, and in those cases, like I'm not so much into the breakfast taco thing, and I want to have a fallback option. So about a year ago, I found a recipe for overnight oats on Reddit. Uh, there is a pretty good Reddit community, which is uh, Eat Cheap and Healthy, I think. Uh, I'll put the link in the show notes and, uh, occasionally there are threads with like easy breakfasts and all that stuff. And I don't know how I wandered into that one because I traditionally don't eat breakfast, but whatever. Uh, I found this recipe. I tried it at the time. I loved it. Uh, but after I ran out of some of the ingredients, I sort of forgot about it for a while and I only revisited it a couple of weeks ago. It's pretty damn simple. It's almond milk, uh, rolled oats, maple syrup, chia seeds, and frozen fruit. You prepare it the night before in a large glass and you cover it overnight in the fridge and then you wake up to yummy goodness. Uh, I like this because like kombucha, it has a lot of potential for customization. I'm going to be experimenting with different kinds of fruit. Right now, I'm all about the raspberries because I love raspberries. They're my favorite fruit. Um, but maybe that's not the best thing. Maybe there are better fruits to be putting into this. I don't know. Uh, so I'm going to be playing around with that. And currently, this is pretty much the only way I integrate fruit into my diet. So there's still a lot of work to be done on the fruits side of things but it's better than nothing i guess so now i want to talk about future plans uh there are at least two things on my list that i want to try coming up next and i'm sure i'm going to have other things okay so coming up on my upcoming recipe list is tantanmen so tantanmen is another style of ramen uh and last weekend the way of ramen posted another video focusing on a quick and easy ramen recipe uh, another quick and easy ramen mm, recipe. Ramens. <laughs> uh, and to tie this back to something I mentioned earlier, this recipe is a recipe that was developed by Iron Chef Chinese Chen Kenichi, uh, which I have seen a lot of over the years watching Iron Chef on Food Network. Uh, I used to watch that show so much when the show was on, so I'm definitely curious to see what his take on Tantanmen is. Uh, Tantanmen is a completely different style of ramen to show you ramen, and it has elements like chili oil that give it a spicy component, which I'm very excited about because I'm all about the spicy foods. And the toppings are also different. Uh, one of them is nikumiso, which is a combination of ground pork, red miso, and aromatics, which sounds fantastic. So I definitely want to try that out. I think maybe next week I'll be trying that. Uh, th I, I try not to do too much cooking during uh, podcast weeks just because it's a busy week. <laughs> uh, and then the other thing on my uh, list of plans is ginger beer, uh, which is another fermented beverage courtesy of It's Alive with Brad. Uh, th 
those instructions i i think that episode gets pretty sidetracked too actually um but <laughs> i'm a big fan of ginger ale and ginger beer so i'm excited to try and make my own and my go-to drink in japanese izakayas is a ginger highball so i'm curious if i could incorporate this homemade ginger beer into ginger highballs and make it even better uh so i would love to try that out but yeah so I, i'm probably going to do that after i finish my next batch of kombucha because right now I think kombucha is, has priority. Uh, there have been a lot of happy drinkers of the old kombucha and some people are jealous. So I have to make another batch. <laughs> so you'll uh, transform yourself into, you'll quit your job and you'll become a, a hipster a kombucha maker. And then you'll do that in your apartment and all of that fun stuff. I mean, I already do it in my apartment, but... Uh, yeah, but now you have to do make bigger batches, start to sell and create a production. And uh, it will become your uh, your primary business it, it it's interesting because like what's what i find interesting about kombucha is my, my family used to drink a lot of soda uh like we almost always had like a two liter bottle of pepsi or something in in the fridge and then i sort of split off by my own and uh, and also my my family uh started the keto diet which also means like they cut that stuff out pretty quickly uh because it pretty much goes against everything they're working towards um so it had been a really long time that i hadn't really had soda or anything like that because i don't buy it very often i buy it like on rare occasions and mostly during the summer when it's really hot and i want to have a cool refreshing drink and i think i actually prefer my kombucha to a lot of the sodas out there Mainly because it's like, I don't know, it feels so much healthier and it's got so much better taste that it's just like, I don't know, I, I think it's going to be my replacement for soda in many circumstances and I wasn't necessarily expecting that. And the fact that I make it myself and that it costs basically like 80 cents a bottle instead of whatever four bucks is just like the bonus on top of that uh, i don't know it's been a very fun time experimenting with kombucha and i'm hoping bringing more kinds of things like that into my cooking routine will make it more fun no for sure and by making it yourself you also know which amount of like sugar you put in it so you can control your sweet uh, intake which is always great that's true yep i i I hadn't really considered that. Like, there's no, like, high fructose corn syrup or anything in my things because I'm making it myself. I know it's not going in there uh, unless they, like, dump a bunch of it into the tea I use, which, I, I mean, I guess that could be possible, but it's highly unlikely. Um, so are we going Are we going back to ramen rece recipes? Going back to ramen recipes. Oh, you have another variant that you want to try? Uh, no, those are the two sort uh, of... Okay. That's good. Uh, I was I, I was getting along with uh, talking about ramen and not trying to die here just thinking about ramens, but that's good. Well, I, I mean, I'm not against trying a more complicated ramen recipe eventually, but I want to get comfortable with yeast two first before I step up the difficulty level. Oh, no, for sure. I was just more or less telling you that I was daydreaming about ramen right oh, now. Oh, when am I ever not daydreaming about ramen? Actually, The Way of Ramen has a podcast, which is like the biggest torture wow. you can do while working is listening to people talk about ramen for hours because I was trying to catch up on the feed. Uh, oh. I was just listening to hours and hours of people talking about ramen. And then I had to stop because it was driving me crazy. <laughs> uh, this week's episode reminds me of uh, Tony and I watching like uh, I think literally last night we were watching um, 
Korean food being made, and especially like kimchi recipes. Oh, I was literally great. I was literally dying in front of the TV. I'm like, why are we watching kimchi recipes? Uh, like at 10 a.m. at 10 p.m. I was so craving kimchi last night. And since I have like all the fermentation stuff, like I could make my own kimchi too. So oh, don't say that. <laughs> don't say that. If it, if it's another excuse for you to come visit me more often, like that's fine by me. <laughs> okay, let's go to your uh, your next uh, recipe experiment. Uh, actually, I don't have anything else. That's it. A short show oh, this okay. week. <laughs> oh, that's it. It or yeah, no, that's uh... literally it. Oh, okay, for sure. That's I'm great nice. at planning episodes. No, for sure. Uh, I I guess at this point that you'll have a lot of links for those recipes and experiment. I really strong strongly suggest that you also put pictures now that you're making more of your more homemade food. I uh, should uh, maybe feed your Instagram feed with them as all the cool kids do these days. And the reason I'm saying that is because I hope you put them in our show notes so our listener can uh, follow along while they hear for this episode. And you can find those links hopefully if Nick puts them there at limitlesspossibility.net slash one three one one hundred and thirty one. You can find our show uh, back catalog of episode at limitlesspossibility.net. You can find the show and its news on Twitter uh, at limipo underscore podcast. That's L-I-M-I-P-O underscore podcast. You can find myself on Twitter at, at Lucunosh. That's L-U-C-C-O-N-O-U-C-H. And you can find Yannick at Sakurina, S-A-K-U-R-I-N-A. And we'll see you in two weeks. See you in two weeks. <laughs>